Welcome to Tea Time with Tiffany, a podcast about faith, books, and everything in between. You can read all of my writings about these same topics over at lifeofacatholiclibrarian.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode... 105 of Tea Time with Tiffany, another summer edition. I hope that you're doing well. Um, What I'm planning to do for today is do our usual what's happening, and then instead of our um, new traditional segments of books and um, crafts and what's the other segment that we usually do it's just what's happening i think um but usually we do what's on my bookshelf and then the creative commons i thought this week we would take a break from that and move over to the periodic segment that i had mentioned called the church triumphant where we have a spotlight on a particular saint so that's what we're going to do today try that out um i've been you know i'm reading the harry potter series and it's it's just going to take me the rest of the summer so it's not like i really have anything new to recommend um and we're doing the book club so Uh, the summer book club with the wells so that's consuming all of my reading time so i thought that this was a good a good time um to do a little um saint feature and plus i just had one on my heart so i thought perfect all right but first let's start with what's happening so lots of stuff happening it's all good stuff so i have been hard at work on my bible study writing project and it is a seven chapter project of daily Bible studies with um, spiritual classics. And I am on chapter five, I'm happy to say. So I've been a busy little bee. I've been productive. I'm hoping to have chapter five finished by late next week. And then going into August, I will have two chapters to go. The semester starts here on August 28th, I believe is the date. So I still will have some time but a lot of that time is then going to be taken up once August hits. I will have lots of lesson planning and course planning to do. Not looking forward to that, but it'll be okay. I definitely feel a lot better about things than I did last year at this time. Um, our team has grown a little bit, which is helping, and it should not be as overwhelming. And we have vowed that this is the last time for this academic year that we're going to um, change the course quite so much because we've been doing this. We did it obviously for last fall, we did it over the winter term for the spring, and now we're doing it again for this new fall semester, and it's very tiring, and we're all a little burned out of it. So, you know, we have it the way that we want it for fall, and we're going to keep it that way for spring because we just can't keep um, working up all of the energy to make these large scale changes and then adjusting to them and um, you know we're all still teaching a lot of sections and so each week you're um, you know having to familiarize yourself with so much new material so for this year that will come to sort of a standard which is a very positive thing and then over the summers we can make changes that we want to and we'll have plenty of time to do that so this summer has been a little stressful with doing that on the heels of just having done it back in January and then all of the other projects that we're all working on. So 
we're coming to a good place. I feel good about that. And, you know, I've been able to get a lot of writing done. I really, really, really want to get all seven chapters drafted before classes begin on August 28th. So keep that intention in your prayers, if you would. I'm so grateful. Cautiously, very cautiously optimistic that that will happen. Um, so, but it'll be once I finish chapter, I know I'll have until next week, chapter five should be good. After that, I've just got to squeeze in six and seven amidst the other work. And so, you know, just hoping that that takes place. So that's where we're at with that. Um, in other news, I talked last week about how I've got lots of dance stuff going on and that has only grown the next two weekends are epic. Um, I've got multiple events each weekend. But it is the heart of the summer, and this is the high time for belly dance gigs and other cultural dance. So I've just been trying not to fret. I've been uh, listening to my music a lot and practicing to the extent that I can. It's just a lot to keep track of, and as I get older, I just worry about forgetting things. Um, that really only comes into play with regards to when I dance with my troupe, because that's when there's hard and fast choreographies to have memorized when I dance by myself. I'm usually improvising like 99% of the time I am. And so therefore I don't have to have anything memorized. You know, I may want to do certain things and think that certain things fit well with the music here or there, but if I don't do those things, it really doesn't matter. So that's good. Um, but it's challenging in that you always then have to be conscious like I talked about um, on Tuesday with the Patronus post you have to be conscious of your face because then you're thinking and you know you're nervous and you're thinking what am I going to do next and that can really show in the way that you present your facial expressions and you always want your facial expressions to be of course it depends on the, the music but generally speaking I'm dancing to upbeat lively music and so you want to be smiling and look very happy and like you're having this great time when you're probably not having a great time at all and so you know so that comes into play a little bit um, with improvising so I've been working on that um, but it's going to be very tiring for this introverted librarian so um, just, you know, doing what I can. All you can do is, I tell myself, prepare, but really I tend to over-prepare. I've been taking classes in Middle Eastern dance for almost 10 years, and so I am well-prepared. I don't need to make myself so anxious about, well, I need to do all of these things in the week leading up to these events. I'm prepared. You know, it's all up here. That's what Claire always told me, pointing to her temple. Um, it really is all about your mindset and about having the confidence that you know what you're doing and presenting yourself as such. That is the most difficult part. It really is. Because no matter how long you've been doing something, it is so easy to still feel very insecure about your abilities at it. And that is really what can trip you up. So doing the best I can, it's an exercise, an important exercise and life skill in uh, performance and presenting yourself in with your best foot forward. So I'll keep you posted, but lots, lots, lots going on with regards to that. So both of my events for this particular weekend coming up are on Saturday. So if you keep me in your prayers this Saturday, I would be most grateful. The weekend after that, I just can't even tell you. It's 
I don't want to say it's bad because it isn't, but it is intense. <laughs> That's the word I want to use. It is very intense. I have events on both Saturday and Sunday. On the Saturday, I'm going to have two. And they're all, the one event that spans the festival that spans both Saturday and Sunday is all day. And then I've got an evening gig on Saturday too. So I'm going to be tired. I may take Monday off from work. <laughs> I'm going to need to recover. All right, so that's what's going on with that. Um, I've got stuff going on with seasonal allergies. You can hear it in my voice a little bit. I feel very scratchy. Uh, I've been going through that all spring and summer long. It's another fun part of getting older. It's like certain things. I mean, I've always had seasonal allergies, but yay, now they've gotten worse. So we have that. Um, things are going good with the kids. Henry's going to be uh, doing a, a science camp next week. I mean, they've just been home with Mike and um, their grandparents, but um, Henry was interested in um, this one week-long summer camps, half day at the local Catholic Boys High School, which is where he really wants to go in a couple of years. I'm just praying we'll be able to afford it. We'll be working on that. Um, I thought it would be nice for him to see the school. He'll probably see some of the boys from his current um, K-8 Catholic school there, I'm sure because they're both, they're close together. So geographically speaking. So he's looking forward to that. Anne has been as sassy as ever and is just looking so tall and big to me these days. She is really growing and she's definitely looking like a first grader and not like my squishy little pre-K kindergartner anymore. And it makes me want to cry. So we're not going to dwell on that anymore, <laughs> but she's doing really, really well. Um, my wonderful Mike is also doing well. Um, he's teaching for the summer. We've, the summer classes are always, I'm gabbing. I'm supposed to be doing the same stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll get back to that. Um, the summers are always dicey because um, he's an adjunct instructor. And so what that means is that you're paid per course. You get a contract per course. You don't have um, like a full-time contract with a university where you know you're guaranteed to teach every single semester. It has always worked out for us. It gives him great flexibility with regards to the kids because he's able to pick them up, drop them off because he doesn't have to like be in an office by a certain time and then you know be there until a certain time. It's been wonderful because he's been able to be with them and he takes care of the grocery shopping and all of these things at home, which are such a blessing to me. So, uh, so that's great. But in the summer, it's always a little bit like during the fall and spring semesters, it's never an issue. There's always classes, but come summer, it's always a little bit dicier because um, enrollment is so much lower in the summer. And if they don't get a minimum number of students to enroll, then they won't run the course. So, and that means, of course, he doesn't get paid. So we never know what's going to happen in the summer. And in the uh, first session, we were hoping that two sections were going to run and it looked like two were going to run. And then right before the class started, we had um, you know, a couple students drop. And so then they uh, went below the minimum number needed. And so he got one section instead of two. Um, coming into the second session, it really looked like only one was going to run. But it's like, all right, well, you know, it's just part of it. And so we were just budgeting very carefully and all of that. And, um, you know, I really felt very blessed. You know, things were going just fine. Um, God has always been so good to us. And um, then right before classes started, the other section got more students. So he's teaching two classes right now. We feel incredibly blessed. This means that, you know, we'll be able to do some things that the house needs in the fall. 
once he gets paid for this session, which I feel so grateful for. Uh, we need a new uh, door um, on the side entrance of our house before the winter, and we have some carpeting that needs to be replaced. And so I think we'll be able to do those things now with this extra section, and I feel very grateful for that. So that's what's been going on with us, really. Um, very busy, but all good stuff. So, all right. Um, my saint feature for today. We talked a little bit about sanitary ticket with her last week because her feast day is July 14th. So that has come and gone. But all July, I'm always thinking about St. Kateri. And so right now in my car, I've been praying uh, a rosary that has her centerpiece. I'm showing in the video if you're watching. I have, let's just say, several St. Kateri rosaries, and I gift them a lot. Whenever I see that Allison um, has made a new St. Kateri rosary in her Etsy shop, I usually end up buying it, and I give them out to people because she's just um, one of my personal patrons. I have talked about her, written about her many times on the blog and over at Catholic Mom. If I remember, I'll try to pop some links into the show notes of those things. Um, but she's very important to my family. And so I thought that I would just spend a couple of minutes talking about her. So before I fully segue into that, um, sort of in addition to what's on my bookshelf for the week, um, this is the book. So whenever I do a saint feature, this is the book that I'm going to be using. And it is A Book of Saints for Catholic Moms by Lisa Hendy. And I very much think that this book is not applicable only to moms. Definitely applicable to dads. Also applicable to aunts, uncles, grandparents. I think that this book is wonderful and you could use it in any of those roles. And so what we have here is a lovely index of saints and their patron patronages. And an intro to each saint tells you when they um, when they lived, their patronage, their memorial, um, a lot of information about them and what we can learn from them. And um, what I really like that Lisa does in this book is that she gives you a, week, a week's worth of scripture verses with that saint. So different scriptures that relate to what that saint uh, is known for, things that happened in his or her life. And so Sunday, you know, it's a proverb or whatever it is, and then she has the verse right in the book. So if you don't have your Bible handy, you don't have to look them up. And after that, there's saint-inspired activities for, it says for mom, but of course, again, it could be dad's grandma, grandpa, um, you know, if you want to do these with your nieces and our nephews. So an activity for the adult, and then an activity, something you can do with the child and relating to that saint and traditions that they're known for. There's a prayer for, and we'll read St. Kateri's prayer when we finish up here, and then something to think about relating to that saint's message. So really lovely. So you can take a saint and that whole, for a whole week, you can sort of spend that week with that saint. And you can use this with the calendar. So as you move through the calendar year, you could look at a saint whose feast day is right around that time and then incorporate it in then, or you could just pick them based on inspiration, whatever you're feeling. So it's a really nicely um, structured book. So for this week, I wanted to talk about St. Kateri Tekigwitha. So she lived in the 17th century. She's the patron saint of environmentalists, also those who have lost parents because she lost her parents when she was a young child. Her memorial is July 14th, like I mentioned. So there's a couple reasons that I feel very bonded to St. Kateri. Um, I feel bonded to her as a Mohawk woman. And she also is from, originally from the Hudson Valley area of New York, so not far from where I live. And so I just, I feel this geographical kinship to her and I feel a cultural 
kinship to her because my dad is Mohawk and so and so was her dad so for me there is that definitely that personal connection but obviously I think that she has a lot to offer for everybody um, but she lived in the 17th century her mother was a Christian um, who was Algonquin and her father was not a Christian he was Mohawk and they both passed when she was a child they all contracted smallpox and she happened to um, she was four it says and she did happen to survive but um, one of the things that is most known about St. Kateri is that when after this happened um, she had a lot of scarring on her face from the smallpox and so that had to be obviously a difficult thing for a child and a young woman to deal with she was taken in by an aunt and uncle and you know at this time um, there had been some Catholic missionaries in the area and that was not necessarily seen in a positive light um, because her community had their own spiritual traditions and um, they felt that this was an infringement on that the missionaries were an infringement on that so there's definitely a mixed set of feelings I guess within the Native American community understandably about Catholic missionary efforts because sometimes those efforts were heavy-handed um, even if that wasn't necessarily the intention sometimes the intentions were not so good because of course we know that there are um, bad seeds I guess within everything and so there was damage that was done um, in the past um, with some of these types of things and so there's resentment then about the faith because it was then connected with um, these more unsavory missionary efforts or even the efforts that were well-intentioned were seen as heavy-handed even if that wasn't at all what those particular missionaries were doing just because of this historical background and because the people already had their own spiritual tradition that they were attached to so it's a very loaded issue right and um, it's understandable it's just one of those things that is what it is and um, it's just unfortunate of course for all those that were involved so in St. Kateri's case <clears throat> you know her uncle was not Christian at all and he was very resistant to the Catholic faith being propagated um, in his area and so her when she became a young adult wanting to become Catholic was um, a very dangerous thing really for her to do because he was so against it and many of the other people in her community were so against it and so when she was baptized she took the name Catherine um, <clears throat> her name was Tekakwitha that was her just her name um, and then when she took the name Catherine we now call her Kateri Tekakwitha Kateri being the Mohawk um, version of Catholic of Catherine and she chose that after St. Catherine of Siena um, eventually because this was not uh, accepted very well uh, her baptism within her community she moved with a group of other um, Catholic women up to a community in Canada um, the St. Francis Xavier Mission I believe it was in Quebec when she was there she was able to receive First Communion and uh, work using her faith amongst other people taking care of people teaching um, the faith to others and she did that very happily one of the other reasons that she met with resistance back with her community is um, back when she still lived in new york state was because she didn't want to get married and that was 
uh, just not really done <laughs> at that time. You know, so you would get married and have a family, and that was just what everybody did. And she wanted to remain unmarried and dedicate her life to God, and that was seen as somewhat odd. And so when she moved to this other community in Quebec, she was able to just fully live out that part of her faith identity that she really wanted to carry out. So she was very happy, very happily able to practice her faith once she moved to Canada. And she did die at the age of 24. Um, so um, I'm just going to turn down my ringer. Sorry. <laughs> um, she still passed away at a young age. And... So looking here at um, the rest of St. Kateri's story, she's known as the Lily of the Mohawks. I have lots of St. Kateri artwork. Um, I just, I love the way that she's portrayed in iconography. I'd like to get one from my office. Speaking of which, I have one at home. She's carrying a lily. Um, you've seen before, I think I showed her last week, my little, what, this is Our Lady Star to see. Sorry, St. Kateri's over here. Um, I just, and she's holding a wooden cross. Um, part of her story is that she was often creating little wooden crosses and putting them up where near where she would work. Um, she would take time out to pray during the day and she'd create like a little station, she called it for herself, where she'd put up this little cross and attach it to a tree as just a reminder to herself um, when she was praying. And so it's just, she has a lovely connection to nature. She does have a chaplet that I have up, a video and an audio of on my chaplets page. I'll link over to that too. And it all relates back to her connection with nature, the beads on the chaplet and the different themes. And I just love her. So one of the traditions that Lisa mentions in the book is the Tekic with a Conference. It's a large Catholic Native American organization in the United States and Canada. Um, I went to their website. I have a link to it in the show notes. And it's a really lovely um, community of Native American Catholics and just a way to um, network with other people who that you have that in common with. And they have a conference every year. There's regional groups. And so I was kind of peeking around on there to see. I, I was looking at their Google map. Uh, it doesn't look like there's a chapter that's particularly close to me, but maybe there's one that's close to you. And it is open to anybody who's interested in St. Terry. You don't have to be of Native American descent. So um, looking at St. Terry's scriptures, let's, um, yeah, so it mentions here the activity. So what you could do with a child is that she likes to fashion these simple crosses out of sticks and place them on a path in the woods to remind her to pray. You could take a nature walk and, you know, bring some sticks home and create some, um, crosses and put them in your backyard. Something to ponder for the week. How can your family be better stewards of our physical world through conservation, less materialistic lifestyles, and use of more sustainable resources? So, you know, things I think of immediately, um, we recycle in our neighborhood, but, you know, the bin isn't always right near me, and so sometimes I'm a little lazier with that than I should be. Um, so, absolutely, you know, just something small, like taking that extra effort to... Um, you know, walk down and to the recycling bin and put everything in there that should go in there. Maybe starting a compost bin. You can think of St. Kateri when you do it and how we're taking better care of our planet when we do so. A prayer for our family. St. Kateri Tekegwitha, you gave up your home and your family to actively practice your Christian faith. Help us to love prayer, the Eucharist, and servicing others as much as you did. May we look at the physical world around us with thanksgiving, seeing the hand of God in each bit of creation. May we be good stewards of this earth God has given us. Help us to never miss an opportunity to help a friend or to see the face of God in someone in need. Amen. 
So I'm thinking of St. Terry a lot right now. I'm going to continue to carry her with me and my heart, certainly, as we make our way through the summer. And I hope that you do too. She has so much to offer us, I think, about um, childlike faith and trust. Um, I was reading in um, Lisa's book about how once she moved to Canada and she was able to receive her first communion, she would just make every effort to be able to go to Mass every day so that she could receive the Eucharist because this was something that she hadn't been able to do back when her faith was newer and before she had moved. And so she would walk out. As you can imagine, the winters were hard where she lived. And she would still make that effort to get to Mass because she craved the Eucharist. And that is a powerful example, I think. Um, certainly for myself, especially in the summer. You know, and in the fall, it's a little bit harder because I need to be here earlier to teach. But in the summer, I have a lot more flexibility in the morning and I could go to daily Mass. And thinking of what St. Terry went through to get to daily Mass is an absolute wake-up call to me that I should be doing this. So I am going to be doing something about that, even if it's once a week. All right, that's my resolution. So what do you take away um, from St. Kateri's story? Is there anything that you would like to incorporate based upon her own, her life and spirituality that you'd like to incorporate into your routine? I'd love to hear about it. Let's have a St. Kateri chat. And um, yeah, I loved this. This was really fun. So we'll try to do this. Um, I don't know if it'll be every single month. Maybe it will, but just regularly. So we'll have a saint feature, another one coming up hopefully in August. So I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week and I'll see you then. Bye.